0: This is the season of His grace This is the season of our breakthrough This is the season of His power This is the season where His love shines through At Pentecostal tabernacle and broken love You know, Elijah was really beaten down after he had that awesome moment up on the mountain, right? He was really beaten down and he was very discouraged. And it says that, you know, after he brought forth his grief to God, he fell into a sleep and then an angel of the Lord came and, and touched him and said, and prepared meat for him and gave him food and gave him drink. And it says that he went in the strength of that meat and of that drink for 40 days And sometimes we don't realize that when we're really weary, when we're really going through stuff, what we really need is a good meal. Sometimes we just need that word of God that needs to come and give us answers, give us something, something, even if we don't understand it. Maybe it's not an answer up here, but it's that thing that makes us know, Jesus, you're still alive and working in my life. You're still somehow within me, and I know you're with me, so I'll be okay. Amen. And so the title of my sermon this morning is What's my problem? Do I have a problem? <laughs> and sometimes we maybe have uh, have asked those questions and maybe right now cuz we're in the presence of God and sometimes as we're in God's presence things our thoughts come to light, you know? And sometimes it's in his presence that we realize I don't know what's wrong. Something's not quite right. What's really, why does it seem like something's not quite right? And so the Lord sees the question of your heart this morning. The Lord knows what you've been asking about, whether verbalizing it or whether just deep inside, just wondering, Lord, what's going on here? Do I have a problem? What's the matter? So we're going to dig into the scriptures and, And that is where our answers come from. So we're going to, and old-time church, you know, turn with me to. Boy, if you have it, open it in your phone, whatever. Get the word of God to be your friend. Know it. Here's your chance to learn a little about study, right? Luke 8, Luke chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering... And people from town after town came to him, to Jesus. He said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things, as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that's the voice of the Lord to us this morning. The word of God doesn't benefit a bit if all it is is idle talk. If we have ears, we all have ears, I I trust. I don't think any of us had surgery in here to remove our ears. So we all have ears, but do we have ears that hear the word of God? In verse 9, And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And in verse 11, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And some of us who've been around church a while know that this has sometimes been applied in one of two ways, at least that I'm aware of. One, we realize there are four categories of soil, right? And so it's, well, or of a place for the seed to fall. It's along the path, somewhere, along the wayside. You know, it's among, it's on the rock, it's in the thorns, or it's on good soil. Some have spoken about this as though these are different people. And I can understand that application somewhat because the first one about falling among the wayside and the devil snatches it away before they even believe. So as if to say, well, those are the unbelievers. Maybe they've heard the word and just brush it off. And we'll get to that in a moment, but, and so different people. I've come to believe in more, more personal way. I think this can, the different soils can apply to different aspects of our own lives. And sometimes it's a different phase of our life where the Lord would want to address one thing versus another. And we can have any or all of this working in any of us. I don't care how long we've been serving Christ. We can have these different things apply to us. So I want to touch for a moment on verses 9 and 10 about the word parable. Jesus explained it, really, in this part, what a parable is. Um, a, a kind of generic definition might be it's a story that teaches a moral lesson. Um, in the scripture, in verse 10, it said that to you it was given to know, or it's going to be revealed to you, the secrets of the kingdom of God. So parables, and there are many in the gospels, are given as a way of revealing to us the secrets of the kingdom of God. Some of us feel like we don't really know much about, I mean, Okay, I've been a Christian a little while, and I know some things, but I feel like there's so much I just don't know. Maybe you ought to prayerfully study some of the parables. The parables hold secrets of the kingdom of God. They reveal the heart of God to us. They reveal the judgments of God to us in many ways. We see what matters to God and what doesn't matter to God, what's really of value and what really isn't. And when we align ourselves with those teachings, we really grow. This parable also, it said there in that little section, it divides the believers from the unbelievers. So those who believe on Christ, who receive and hear with understanding the word, are able to believe and are able to understand those secrets of the kingdom of God. If you've ever wondered, why don't I understand the Bible? I used to wonder that. I totally did not understand it. I remember one time I went to a movie about the gospel. I was unsaved. By the way, I guess some of you don't know, I was not like a lot of you. I wasn't brought up in church. <laughs> so I grew up totally on my own. And um, and when I uh, was a teenager, I went to some movie about the gospel. And and at the end it said, it was, there was a, you know, in the credits, there was some little place there that said this was taken out of the gospel of Matthew. And, and it had gotten my attention enough that I thought, I want to go read it. So I went home and I read the entire gospel of Matthew. As I recall, it was in one sitting, or I should say lying. I was lying on my bed. And I read the entire gospel. I closed the book and I said, yep, I don't understand a word of it. <laughs> and why? Because I wasn't a believer. Christ hadn't quickened or brought to life faith in my heart. I didn't understand this was the living, powerful word of God, so I didn't really have faith in it. I read it like I'd read a novel or something, and I just kind of thought, oh, what is all this stuff? And it made no sense. So sometimes the reason we don't understand it is because we haven't realized that the scripture is the power of God to salvation. And to have that awe of, whoa, what I'm reading right here has the power to transform my very life. And then, all at once, our eyes are opened and we begin to understand the scriptures Amen. Maybe we've been a believer, but we kind of lost our focus. And when we read the scripture, it's kind of like we're in a fog. Maybe we ought to remind ourselves, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) What I'm reading has the power to give me the victory over anything. It has the power to give me life and right now to lighten my path. So I'm not stumbling all the time. Amen. So there is power in the word of God and the seed. What was the seed in the scripture? The seed was the word of God. We are told. Okay, so the seed is the same in all of those types of soil. The seed is the word of God. The question is, how does it impact us? That's what this parable is all about. So now we're going to start sort of going back. I'm going to take the passage of Luke 8, and let's let's kind of synthesize a little bit. What did the Lord do? He gave us the parable, and then he graciously gave us an interpretation of the parable. So on the next slide, I have a side-by-side that put the first part of that section alongside the next so we can look at it. So the one about where the seed fell along the path are those who have heard. You might not have thought of that. You might have thought, oh, along the path, that means they just never heard it. No, no, they heard it. (laughs) They did. That is, their ears picked up the vibration anyway. But they trampled it underfoot somehow. It was trampled underfoot, it said. And the birds of the air devoured it, which meant that the devil came and took away the words out of their hearts so they might not believe and be saved. So that's what we learn side by side about the word that fell along the way. How about the one that fell on the rock? So in the description of the parable, it said it grew up and withered away because it had no moisture. We understand that when it fell on the rock, That meant those of us who have that rocky place, we did also hear the word. We heard it. And it grew up. We received it or they received it with joy. Praise the Lord, right? Oh, I love this word. It was very good. But there's no root. There's no depth. There's no root. So they believe for a while. That's the withering away. Withering. You know, have you ever seen a plant like this week? Very hot and dry, right? Some of my plants out there, I've had to go out and water them because otherwise they were withering. You can see the leaves were starting to wrinkle, withering away. We don't want our faith to wither away. We don't want our life, which came from Christ, abundant life. We don't want it to dry up and become unabundant, (laughs) you know, dry and wither away. That's those who believe for a while, but in time of what? In time of testing... In time of testing, they fall away. Those who fell among, the word that fell among the thorns are those who hear. They hear. They go on their way. And I want to focus on their own way. They go their way. Why? Why do they have their own way? Because the thorns are there that are also growing up at the same time as the word is actually growing in those who have thorns right? But the thorns are the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of life. And I like to pause those thoughts, but we're going to really pause more deeply after we read this in another gospel as well. We're going to dig into this. The cares, the riches, and the pleasures of life. As we're listening to this word right now, you know what's happening? The seed is falling on your heart. I'm a sower right now. I'm casting out Jesus' word upon your ears this morning, and you're hearing. And hopefully you're hearing, and it's not just falling by the path. You're actually hearing, and perhaps you're receiving it with joy. And then for you, it might be the question is, you know, will it abide? Or in time of testing, will this endure? And then again, right now, there may be some things in your life that are like care. Maybe you're a person prone toward cares. Maybe riches has a certain hold in your life or pleasures. So hear this word with discernment of your own heart this morning before God and let him help you. That's what this word is going to do. So what happens? The fruit does not mature. We'd want the word of God to bear fruit in our lives. Amen? Amen. So finally, the word that fell into the the seed that fell into good soil. Again, those are they who hear the word. And the fact that it grew was explained to us how that happened. How did the word of God grow in the good soil? Those who heard the word held it fast. That implies that we have a part to play in this. It's not enough to just hear it. And go our way, right? And forget what manner of man we are, as James said, right? We, have, but to hold it. Do you ever walk away from church and say, "Oh, this word is my life. Let me read it tomorrow when I'm in my prayer time. Let me open. Let me memorize maybe this part of this one verse, even that stood out for me so strongly. I've got to chew on this. I have to become it, right? That's holding it fast. And in an honest and a good heart. It's interesting. He said that. We might say, well, I mean, part of the problem is I don't have an honest or a good heart. That's why I'm reading the word today, and that's true for all of us. We are all, you know, our hearts tend to be deceitful and desperately wicked, and who can know it? However, we can also choose where we recognize ourselves that we can have an ability to be more honest. We can choose to be honest with ourselves concerning A, B, or C that's before us right now, and good That could be a sermon on its own. The the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Goodness is a fruit of the Spirit. In other words, there has to be a willingness to be good. I don't mean a good person. I mean really be good. It's a quality of the Lord Jesus Christ to be a good person. Genuinely a good person, not a put-on good. Really a good person. I don't know why I'm on that. But the fruit Anyway, it's yielded, it says, a hundredfold. And the interpretation was to bear fruit with patience. With patience. That means not... If you didn't... If you walked away from church today... Hey, listen. If you walk away from church today and you heard something that touched your life, don't be discouraged at all. When you walk out of the doors... And all chaos, confusion, and whatever else, and people, and words, and things, and cares, and riches, and pleasures, fight you, or confuse you. The word is in you. Hold it fast, and bear fruit with patience. You don't have to hold it fast mentally. I just mean, Jesus, it's in me. You're gonna bear fruit in me. And keep believing that. He already did a work. You know, when God does a work, it's not your work, so it'll get done. You don't have to worry about it. In time, in patience, it'll be done. So now we're gonna flip over if you have pages or screens to Matthew chapter 13, because it's fascinating and this is how studying scripture, especially parables and things from the gospels, you have this marvelous thing called four gospels. They don't all have every parable in them, but where you can have more than one account to do a comparative study is very useful. So here we go, Matthew 13, starting in verse 3. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. A lot more detail, wasn't there? Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Well, that part's pretty much the same. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain. some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. That's a little more detail there. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Here then, in the next, in jumping down to verse 18, where he continues with the expounding of the parable, here then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Does not understand it. Like me, when I was a young person, right? Heard it, but didn't understand it. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root, where? In himself. That might be a little more implying, implying a little more than about the seed having root as if to say, are we a person who doesn't tend to go deep, who who doesn't take things really that seriously? We don't have any root in ourselves, has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when, now it doesn't just say testing, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So let's put this all together now. I think on the screen I will have blue for, I use blue type. I hope you can tell. Yeah, it's a little bit clear, I guess. The things that we're adding in, this is the old left and right columns like before, but I added in new information from Matthew 13. Do we realize the scriptures don't contradict themselves? Have you ever read one scripture and read another and say, well, that's not the same. It's the same kind of account, like about the same thing. But these aren't the same exact words, so scripture just doesn't make sense. No, you just don't understand it. He that his ears to hear, let him hear. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. It'll teach. So how do we take it? We synthesize. We put it together. We say, well, God, you know why you said it this way here, but you said it this way over here. Let's consider it all together. So here we are about the one that fell along the path. We now learn that those are those who have heard but don't understand it. And again, if you aren't a believer in here this morning, that is, you've never come to an encounter with Christ through faith, you haven't embraced the gospel message, which says that Jesus was the Son of God who came into the world as a perfect man, however, paid the price of penalty for all all of our sins. We are all sinners and separated from God in ourselves. We we were born that way. We have this kind of problem. What's wrong with me? Sometimes the answer to that is sin is what my problem is. I have this problem. Guess what? We all do. We were born with it. We have all have one problem. It's called sin. Sin nature, the tendency to completely do things that grieve God's spirit. And God doesn't even hate us for it or anything. In fact, he looked upon us in such compassion that he gave Jesus to come as a remedy to us and say, you know what? Look to the Lamb of God and be saved. Jesus died in our place. The penalty was paid for our sin that if we just look to him, Jesus, really? You really love me? You want me? Then I can be saved from my sin and begin to actually live a whole different way just because we embrace The gift of God. Very simple, the gospel message. So simple, Jesus said, that many stumble over it and never receive deliverance from their sin. But it's there for us this morning. Those who the word just goes away from us, it's because we don't understand it because we don't believe it. The one who fell on the rock. This one let's take a little bit longer on because it grew up immediately. It sprang up. Right? Immediately those received it with joy. But it talked about being scorched when the sun rose. And the sun is representing the tribulation or persecution on account of the word of God. Scorching. The word scorch means to burn slightly. Or it could be like those leaves. To be, to be parched or shriveled with heat. Heat. Intense pressure. Pressure, why? Tribulation. What does that mean? Anything that's troubling you. (laughs) Could be your family, could be your job, could be your head, your thoughts. It could be your brother, your sister. It could be anything, your children. It could be that you have no place to live that's decent, right? Troubles, troubles of this life, right? We're going to have trouble. Persecution could be another kind of trouble, right? Because we have a faith in Christ, all of a sudden, Our friends aren't our friends, or life just is different and we don't know how to deal with it. And if we're not careful, that is, if we're not aware of this word that can keep us this morning, we might fall away even immediately as soon as these things start to happen. Just like, oh, can't deal with that, I'm gone. That's that's unfortunate. What a lot is being lost in that. Tribulation then is a trial, It's a testing of our faith. James 1, I have this there. James 1 says, count it all joy, my brothers. So this is telling us we're going to be tested, all of us. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Or in the King James, it's patience, right? And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, Do we need trials then? (laughs) I mean, are we supposed to be perfect? We're not. Jesus said, therefore, be perfect, even as your heavenly father is perfect. Does that mean he demands perfection of us? No, he doesn't demand it of us. He's, he's saying, this is what I want to make you. I'm going to work in you to make you perfect. It's him working in us. Oh, goodness. There's not even a... No point even trying on our own. But that doesn't mean there's no point even trying. In Christ, we can be perfect. We're being perfected day by day. That's what we're called to do. Okay, so do we need trials? The trials make us perfect. Let it have its perfect work in us, right? That we might become perfected. So what should be our... our, How do we handle trials then? With patience. We endure trials it says that right there in James actually it says you know he who endures trials is made perfect so endurance is the opposite of those who are on the rocky ground by the way who immediately fall away when they're faced with trials it's like oh my goodness and they just run but that's not going to bring forth fruit to perfection persecution is hostility and ill treatment because of our belief Well, unfortunately, you might say the news to us in 2 Timothy 3 verse 12 is indeed all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Are you exempt? I'm not either. There's going to be some complication because we chose to believe in Christ. There are going to be some complications, things we would rather not deal with. Does that mean we have to run away? Do we have to be scorched every time the sun comes up? Has any of us ever walked outside in the heat and in the sun and not withered? I mean, do we have to just die because it gets a little hot around our lives? Goodness, no, that's the, you might say that's the glory of the Christian. It's that we can endure trials with joy. We can march through our lives in the faith of Christ, say, hallelujah. I don't know what's going on, but I'm so glad, Jesus, it doesn't bother you a bit. And you're with me, so I'm okay, somehow, (laughs) amen, (laughs) somehow. (laughs) So there's there's that. And then let's go to the one among the thorns and looking at the new information. So what are the thorns? We learned at first in uh, Luke that it was those that were the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life, okay? But now it's, it's added just a little bit to that thought, is the cares of this world. And we're going to look at that in a moment, the deceitfulness of riches and the pleasures of life. And the fact that the fruit doesn't mature is equated with being unfruitful. That's kind of disturbing to me. You mean, well, I've borne fruit, Lord. I mean, I have this little baby fruit here. I mean, that's not, that's to you, that's kind of like just being unfruitful because it never grew up and became fully mature. The Lord intends for us to be fully mature. It's not enough to just walk through life being baby Christians. You know, some of us were babied in life and we kind of like being the baby. It's kind of like, yeah, 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 and, and, you know, things are, go- you know, it's like, I can just be cute like that. And it's like, the Lord is like, okay, time to grow up, <laughs> you know, time, time to be mature now. It's not always cute to be cute. Like there's a time when you have to be the adult in the situation. I remember when my husband told me that after we had a kid or two, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I guess it's me. Lord. Um, but let's let's take a couple scriptures for each of these. The cares of this world. What can we learn about the cares? It's interesting. Of course, we probably most of us know Philippians 4, 6 and 7, right? Be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Maybe you didn't know that verse. If you don't, track it. (laughs) This will help you. What does it say? It means if you have cares and troubles, there's an out. There's an out in prayer. And partly, your prayer has to be thankful prayer. Lord I thank you. Oh, that doesn't come out easily when you're in worried about something. Thank you for this thing I don't like that's happening to me right now that's really tormenting me and worrying me. Thank you because you're still God and somehow everything will be all right because all things work to, we know that all things work together for good to them who love God. That's a promise, but it's interesting in 1 Corinthians 7 Paul teaches a little something in his little kind of side Bar talking about how he didn't get married, and he was kind of happy about that because he had a calling on his life. It wasn't he was happy about that because he had a self-will and liked doing everything independently. Okay, I'm going somewhere, right? And didn't want to be bothered with any other human being but wanted to have his way all his time. That wasn't the reason Paul said he chose not to be married. Just saying, <laughs> But here he said, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about only the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. Well, that's what it should be. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, which means how to please his wife. That could give you some pause for a moment. A married man, Paul is granting this. This is part of the word of God. It's okay, married men that you have this care that's going to be part of your life, which is to care about pleasing your wife. That is not, a. you might say that's not entirely spiritual. I mean, it is in that it's in the word of God. But it's it's a natural activity. It's a thing of this world that you have to take, you have to worry about what she wants right now. That's That could be a care. It could even be an anxiety. Like, I don't know what she wants. <laughs> and so... <laughs> That's okay. That's part of, that's part, unfortunately, you might say that's part of life. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the, I hope that is, by the way, that should be, that is the purpose. Okay. That's the calling. If you choose, if you're an unmarried woman is to be holy in body and spirit but the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. Okay, I'm not going to preach all those messages. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's a message in every one of these things. But Paul said, I say this for your benefit. Okay, and, and so I'm going to leave that there. But the whole point of my bringing out that scripture is to say, we are going to have some cares, even as believers, that are appropriate and fitting for our place in life. When you have a job, you just took on a bundle of certain kinds of cares. When you have a child, when you get married, when you have any sort of commitment, you have just allowed a certain amount of responsibility to fall on your shoulders, not alone, because Jesus said, if, you know, He said to come to Him and take His yoke upon you. A yoke is a tool of work. So when we have work to do, the burden isn't supposed to be on us alone. He said, come to me, all you who are laboring and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. So even though we have cares, there's a way to carry those cares with the help of God. But there are going to be some cares in our lives. So when he says that that word that falls among the thorns, in some cases fell along cares of this life, we need to watch that even though we have certain cares we must carry, that they aren't thorns to us. That they don't choke out the word of God. Because we're going to have to carry some of them. Some of them. The deceitfulness of riches. We need to know from the scripture in First Timothy 6.10 that it is the love of money. We got to realize the love of money is not a good thing. To have an affection set on, I got to be rich. I want to be rich. It's the most, it, uh, it's driving me. The love of money. I got to have a lot in this world of something that will not go with me to heaven. That is not a thing from God. That will be a thorn in your life. And the scripture has a whole lot more to say about that, actually, really, about thorns in your side and about how it can really bring you down. So there's that. It, well, it says right there, it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. You didn't need anybody else to do that to you. By wanting so much money, you're piercing yourself with pains Those thorns, it's like you're pressing them into your side. And in Matthew 6.21, we're cautioned that where our treasure is, what we really value, that's where our heart is. So there's that. And the pleasures of this life. Now, this is something you don't hear a lot about, so let's take a moment. Speaking about earthly pleasures, like... What's an earthly pleasure? I mean, it can be relaxation, it can be vacations, it can be all sorts of sinful things, right? There are a lot of things that are pleasurable to ourselves, to our bodies, to our minds, to our emotions that have that are even ungodly or wrong, but or even those that are not. Like going on a vacation, you might say, well, what's wrong with that? It, it can be nothing. It could be needed. But it could also, if you're taking vacations every other week... And I'm saying it in a really extreme way, but you know, some of us, it's not every other week, but we know we just like to goof off. First Timothy five, six, five, six says she who lives in pleasure is dead even while she lives. Why? You're not bearing any fruit to God. It's all about self, 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 indulging myself. I wanted this. I wanted that. And I'm just all about this. You're dead in, even while you live. Proverbs twenty one seventeen. he who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Why? Because if you love pleasure, you're not working and earning any money, for one thing. But there is a pleasure that comes from God. Pleasure is defined as a feeling of happy, satisfaction, and enjoyment. And the lie of Satan to unbelievers is, if I become a Christian, then I can't do what all this and all that, I can't, you know, I can't have fun anymore. Which really is another way of saying, I can't have any pleasure. The unbeliever doesn't even know pleasure. Real pleasure is what's described here in Psalm 1611. God, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. They're not the pleasure that's for a night, and then you wake up wishing you hadn't had the pleasure. It's not that pleasure. This pleasure is life. It brings you light. It makes you joyous. You can walk through your days victorious. There's pleasure in the Lord. Matthew 6.33 tells us about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else we need is going to be added to us. Pleasure. What a pleasure not to have to worry about all that stuff. So now, where do we go? Let's take a look at going back into, well, actually finishing up the good soil. It's important to look at the good soil now and say, that's our example. We wish we were altogether good soil, right? Everything about our lives, the whole way we receive the word. What is the good soil like? They hear the word and they understand it. And they yield fruit. Okay, in some cases, a hundredfold, some sixty and thirty. So, going back to our question this morning, what's my problem? Or do I have a problem? I believe that by now, having heard the word of God, maybe you've become aware how to answer that question. Those two questions. I guess the second one first, do I have a problem? You might say, praise God. I am living as good soil. All is well. All I'm doing is just loving Jesus, walking in the light, reading his word, and I'm bearing fruit. This is where my life is right now. And if that's the case, you owe God a lot of praise and thanks because that's a glorious place to be in. That's a wonderful thing where that's the whole thing that came to your mind through this entire message. That's precious and that's blessed. On the other hand, you might have seen yourself in some of these other things. And so we're just gonna spend a couple more minutes and I'm gonna wrap it up with the thought of, what's my remedy? Okay, so you've born with me this long, we're gonna wrap it up with the thought, what do I do about this? And by now you may already know somewhat, but let's just go a quick through. First of all, of course, if we have ears, we need to hear. So hopefully you've heard the word this morning. And the word, you might say, what word is it? It's the one that's near you even in your mouth and in your heart. You might be saying, well, I don't know what word, You know, I don't know what out of all this message, is there anything that's near you? Like that as you heard it, it just kind of hits you really close to where you're living. That's the word that is the seed that the Lord is trying to work on this morning. Okay? So, the one that fell along the path, what's the remedy? Don't trample the word underfoot. When the Word comes, don't just brush it off. Seek to understand the Word. Embrace it. Be a believer in the Word. Amen? Some of you, for some of you this morning, that may mean receive Christ as your Savior. Open your life to him. Let him teach you. It isn't hard. He'll help you. What if you found you were that one on the rock where you spring up with joy, right, and and. Immediately. And you're just happy about the word. But then it seems like whenever troubles come and things, it's like, ah, whatever. It doesn't work for me anyway. And you kind of just dismiss, give up, whatever. You quit the the message. The remedy is you need these three things. You need moisture, you need root, and you need depth. How does that come? Moisture is oftentimes the word of God is also the watering, the watering with the word, right? You need more of the word in your life on a regular basis. It's like a plant needing water, right? So spend time in his word. It's also the Holy Spirit in his presence, spending time in prayer, right? Being with the Lord, developing depth, developing patience with being in the Lord's presence, right? That will help you so that your heart isn't hard and the word can go deep and stay there. Among the thorns, well, there's a couple remedies. If the problem is cares, casting our care on him, learning to trust in him more is probably the most present remedy, bringing those cares to the Lord. But the other two, a love for money, a love of pleasure. We need to repent because that's a wrong thing. It's a it's a flaw and it will keep us going in the wrong direction. We need to turn away from that. In the presence of God is the best place to repent. Just tell him, Lord, honestly, this was who I am. Please forgive me and I want to go a different way. And I guess the last slide here that I have is more for the purpose, I guess, to take us a little deeper, who might be the one with the the cares and the thorns, When we examine the good soil, what is it that they did? The good soil understood it and, you know, bore all this fruit. And I would say for all of us, if we would emulate that example, what we would do is take more time to meditate deeply in the scriptures and in his presence, to really dig into the scriptures more. Those of us who have cares... Sometimes it's as much as we just haven't fully embraced the truth concerning how much God is going to work everything out.